Hello, and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about my journey through cinema. I am your host, Patrick, and yes, I know it's been a while, but we are back and better than ever. And I say we because Such Sights to See now has a co-host. I would like to welcome my good friend, Eric. Hello. Hi, everyone. I was in one episode where we talked about old men kicking ass last season. <laughs> yes, that was uh, one of the most fun episodes. And uh, Liam Neeson is still still doing it. He's, He's still the king. The theater now. <laughs> did you see the the uh, movie, the new one that he did? What's the new one? I don't know. It's in the theater now. It looks exactly like all his other movies. I, you know, I I remember what you're talking about because I just ordered it for the library that I work at, but I don't remember what it's called, and I have not seen it yet. But I'm sure I will. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, we'll still have this podcast going and you can talk about it. Effusively, I'm sure, with praise. <laughs> so we are changing the format around a little bit. Each episode, we will both watch the same movie, something both of us has wanted to see, or maybe just something to broaden our horizons a little bit. Then we will each watch a movie on our own, inspired in some way by the selection. And then we'll report back and discuss. We already picked what we were going to watch for this episode. And I have no idea what inspired you from that movie and what you decide to watch on your own. Me neither. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to the main topic, I do want to talk about some, some movies I did see. Uh, specifically, since the last time I did one of these episodes, I watched a movie called RRR, an Indian film by S.S. Rajamuli. just came out this year. It is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And that is not hyperbole. It really is that good. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's the story of two like folk hero revolutionaries when India was trying to fight off the British. And these two people like never met in real life, but this movie uh, is about them. Like what if they were just best friends and fought against the British? That sounds amazing. <laughs> and, I mean, it sounds like it'd be a really weird, dumb movie, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's and that I, you know, you think of Indian big Indian Bollywood action movies, and you think of like the dumb special effects and like over the top stories and whatever. But this is like a solid, really well made action film. It's like if James Cameron was directing this like heartfelt story. It's really good, really well made, and the action scenes are like straight out of fast and furious it's it's really good that's awesome yeah it's on netflix i recommend you watching it next time you have three hours and seven minutes <laughs> would you say it's great <laughs> oh god <laughs> this is totally... one of my my co-host <laughs> <laughs> i watched something in preparation for something i'm going to see this weekend um, okay it is Nothing new or groundbreaking, but I watched Top Gun in preparation oh. for finally Maverick two years later than it was supposed to come out. Yes, and yes. I'm going to say it still holds up in all of its latent homoerotic glory. <laughs> I saw it maybe a year or two ago and I thought it was, yeah, it's what they say about it. It's like a, a, a commercial for it is a commercial for the American military, <laughs> yes. and it was very effective because I spent decades of my young life wanting to be a fighter pilot mm -hmm. and an archaeologist. So thank you, Indiana Jones, as well. 
And I'm happy to report that you do both of those for a living now. <laughs> I do. Basically, yeah, that's my job. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so it still holds up. Um, that's good. That's good. I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it. I liked it, but I don't think I need to see it again before the new one. Yeah, you know, that's one of my things that I just feel like I have to do. Like, I'm currently rewatching all of Stranger Things mm-hmm. in preparation for that also. What a what a media weekend I have coming up, right? Oh, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, the series is coming out May 27th. Maverick's mm-hmm. coming out May 27th. Stranger Things Season 4, May 27th. Well, this I is... need to know what's first. Well, I don't think <laughs> I'm going to make it through Stranger Things Season 3 before Friday. Um, so I'm going to watch Obi-Wan first cause that'll be out on Friday and then I'll be seeing Maverick probably Saturday, maybe Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure I'll be watching stranger things, you know, sometime this weekend, but I'm just really excited that it's like all coming together, which means of course that the world will end on May 26th, Thursday, mark on your <laughs> calendars. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, I guess that'll they'll have some interesting things to talk about next episode with all of that. I will hopefully see Maverick as well in a nice big uh, IMAX theater or something like that. Yeah, I have to go to the movie theater we went to last time, the Super Emax. Um, yes, yes. Just for the it's it's this giant giant screen with really good sound. Um, I'm definitely going to that theater for that. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, we saw the Northman there, which I liked a lot. I also a, really, really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, very uh, authentic and like just like textured. It felt like the most accurate Viking movie ever. <laughs> it was really grimy. I felt grimy coming out of the theater, just the way everything was shot. And it was almost constantly like wet and dirty. I felt mm-hmm. like I was back in medieval Viking times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, I don't know, like atmospheric and cool. There were a lot of things that I laughed at because they were unexpected, not because they were funny. <laughs> like um, And it did not detract from the movie. Yeah. Like Willem Dafoe, every time he was on the screen, just like growling or <laughs> farting or doing whatever. It was just slapping great. his fake penis. <laughs> <laughs> Confusingly large. <laughs> yes. Yes. I read a review that said, uh, speaking of grimy, that, that Alexander Skarsgård was in goblin mode the whole movie. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Skarsgård, not Defoe? Yes. Yeah. Well, Defoe is in goblin mode his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. He's lived it. <laughs> but he's a, he's a film treasure. We, yeah, I love Willem Defoe. My God. I love Willem Defoe. And he's supposed to be like a genuinely really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, wonderful. All right. Well, I do want to talk about one other movie before we get to the, the main event, and that is uh, Doctor Strange and in the oh. Multiverse of Madness, which I just saw yesterday. So what were your <laughs> thoughts on it? Yes, I, that, you know, I hate to say it because I am a, a, definitely a Marvel fanboy, but I would right. call it the Multiverse of Meh. <laughs> it's very true i it's mid-tier marvel which to me is just like it's entertaining but forgettable nothing special but not bad yeah i think i was looking forward to more multiversal things mm-hmm. um yeah. i enjoyed some of the fan servicey things they did like with the illuminati 
Right, right. Uh, some of it seemed too fan servicey to me, like having Jim, whose name I can never remember, <laughs> Jim from The Office, as uh, Reed Richards. Um, some of the casting choices were just like, okay. And I think it was, it's getting... Go ahead. I think it was funny that they had all these uh, alternate versions, and then you had uh, Professor X come out, the one we know. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. Like, that mm-hmm. was... Um, I'm not a fan of the theater clapping. Sorry, get off my lawn. I'm an old man. Yes. But that was one of the moments where people did it and I didn't mind because it was such a cool payoff. Everyone's waiting for the X-Men to come in or at uh-huh. least super nerds like me are waiting for how they're going to actually introduce the X-Men, even right. though not to give away a spoiler. I think it was kind of a tease um, just because that whole setup obviously didn't work out too well, uh-huh. but uh, it was still gratifying to be in the audience. And, and, you know, you heard his voice in the trailer. If you watch trailers, if you're a normal person who watches trailers, um, <laughs> not me, but it was very exciting. I thought, but yeah, overall just kind of, I don't know. Marvel's getting to a place where I love the whole universe, but it is weird to have to watch so many other things to watch a movie not that you couldn't understand but i feel like if you didn't watch wandavision or what if which i only watched a couple episodes of the what if animated series you probably missed out on a lot of the references in the movie right i did not watch wandavision and it took me a few minutes for them to kind of explain what was going on with her character but once i figured that out it was easy to follow yeah, and I kind of my other thing with the movie was I thought it should have been a Wanda movie. And yeah, actually, she was. I mean, very, she yeah. she was the more interesting character to me uh-huh. in this movie, right? Um, just like she was really interesting in her show, and I would highly recommend. I know you don't watch a lot of TV, mm-hmm. but definitely watch WandaVision. It was so well done. Okay, and okay. one of my criticisms of this movie was that it kind of covers a lot of that same ground. Right. Um, and it felt like a a reversal for her character. Um, okay. I felt like it was the rare case where a movie maybe needed another 15, 20 minutes of to make that make sense, to kind of reconcile that with her character arc from WandaVision to this movie. Right, um, right. Yeah. I um, For me, going into this movie, I was more excited about the return of Sam Raimi. He hasn't made a movie in, what, 10 years or something. And I knew it wasn't going to feel like a Sam Raimi movie because of the Marvel machine, but I was hoping to see some like little sparks or crumbs of the Sam Raimi style. Um, And there were some, just not as much as I'd hoped, like the whole finale with the, uh, I won't give too much away, but the, uh, the corpse, you know, that's definitely Sam Raimi. Like, you know, what's really funny about that. Mm -hmm. I just read, and I didn't get to read the whole article, but I read um, the headline of an article that said Sam Raimi did not want the corpse in, which I thought was quintessential Raimi. Oh, wow. He did not want the, I forget what the actual name um, in the comics is, but he did not want the zombie Mm -hmm. uh, Doctor Strange in there, supposedly. It seems right up his alley. This, the spirits of the dead and everything like that. You know, we like skeletons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I Yeah, I, I agree with that, with your assessment, that I wanted more Raimi, and I definitely felt like he was handcuffed at oh, certain yeah. points. Mm-hmm. There there were some definitely Raimi-isms, like the zany kind of Raimi did mm-hmm. have a couple moments here and there, but yeah. not 
There were some horror sequences that worked, like the mirror sequence I thought felt like him. Yeah, yeah. It just, it almost felt out of place because they would have those moments, but then like shoot back to like the more formulaic Marvel style. Yeah. Yeah. At least we got Bruce Campbell. We did. (laughs) Punched himself for three straight weeks. (laughs) Yes. I love it because that's kind of the joke. uh, Bruce Campbell always says that Sam Raimi makes him do horrible things to himself all the time. Hurts him in movies. (laughs) It was good to see that. (laughs) They have a very similar relationship to us. Yes. Yes. I I wonder who is the Bruce Campbell in this relationship. (laughs) You have a stronger chin, I think. All right. So with that note, let's move into our our main topic, which is a movie we both picked that we both wanted to see that uh, looked like a lot of fun. We both watched Prisoners of the Ghostland by Sion Sono uh, just from uh, 2021, last year, starring everyone's favorite uh, meme-worthy actor, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So... So would you like like to to... try to explain what it's about or do you have something else prepared? (laughs) I had to watch a YouTube movie, uh, a YouTube video about this movie to see if I understood what was happening because I kind of didn't. I kept rewinding while I was watching this movie to be like, did I miss something? Nope. They just didn't explain a thing. So my take on it was, and feel free to interrupt and give me your take on it at any point, because I'm really not sure how accurate this is. <laughs> okay. Nicholas Cage's character does not have a name, which I think he's just doing now on purpose to troll us be in movies <laughs> right. where he doesn't actually have a name. He's just yeah. a hero. Um, <laughs> the movie opens with him robbing a bank. Mm-hmm. And it's implied, at least at first, and it is confirmed later, that um, his partner shoots a small child. Yes. And then it cuts Nicolas Cage in jail. Seemingly for this, he is taken out of jail and sent on a quest to save a girl who has escaped from this town that is very much a... Oof... uh, Samurai town, I guess. Yeah, I think in, in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, like the setting. It's 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 some near future post-apocalypse. Yes, near future post-apocalypse. The the whole movie itself, I think, created a new genre of like steam cyber samurai cowboy punk. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, it's like Fury Road, but also speed racer is the aesthetic i got <laughs> from it because there's like lots of neon but everything is dirty grimy and dusty right right um so yeah he gets sent on a quest to get this woman he is uh shoved into a leather gimpish suit mm-hmm. that has explosives wired to his neck his arms and his testicles because yes. of course it does of course and i, I have to interrupt because that, that's when my favorite scene happens when he strips down, revealing his penis, and then everybody starts singing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. There are strange musical interludes. I did not think that one was strange. I, I believe Nicolas Cage's penis probably does deserve a song. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but there, the, the, the movie is uh, batshit insane. And yeah, from there, he just kind of drives off into the distance, ends up in another 
place full of I don't even know what was happening there. I yeah, guess we find out later the... it's the remains of a nuclear power plant, I guess. Mm-hmm. That turned a, a gang of criminals into guardian ghosts of some sort. Yeah. That, that blocked people from leaving the town and I, I, something I, like that. Yeah, something weird. Uh, he saves the girl, I guess. That's, <laughs> he that's finds really the girl it. very quickly. So I was surprised how quickly he found her. And then it was more about getting her out of the town, which was very anticlimactic. Because when he finally figures out that they're going to fight off this gang, and, and that the gang is led by his ex-partner, they just kind of make up. a lot like Deadpool. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they just kind of make up and then are let through. <laughs> and then the big climax happens elsewhere. Which Back was just in weird. Samurai Town. Yes. Where uh, Bill Mosley is in charge of Samurai Town. And he his character is like a weird sheriff slash overlord of this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs the local... The, I guess the prostitution ring, which is basically everyone in town is part of this prostitution He's ring. Definitely a tyrant. Yes. And then the, the final battle is between Nick Cage and the woman he saved, which is Bill Mosley's granddaughter, Sophia Butella. And uh, yeah. But not so, really? Not really. She was, she was, uh, everybody's I, his granddaughter, apparently. It was, just... <laughs> yeah, it was implied that she was, uh, in, I believe, a romantic slash sexual relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also a little girl. This is where things get really confusing to me because they cut back at one point to the opening scene of them robbing a bank, which I thought was really beautifully shot. I thought there was a lot of really cool shots in this movie. I am a sucker Visuals. for camera. Yeah, for camera movement. And there are, uh, I might even say it gets overdone at a certain point, but every time they're in Samurai Town, there are like really cool tracking shots. There are a couple really cool like camera dolly ins in the, the bank robbing scene. Um, But they, they, they end up showing the entire bank robbing scene with the partner killing basically, it seems like everyone in the bank. And then they end up in the street and he is getting shot at by cops and the cops shoot a mom and a little girl who is implied that that is this. Yes. Yes. But that was clearly years and years ago. So I'm unclear of if Nicolas Cage spent like 15 years in jail in a loincloth, (laughs) (laughs) which I think I forgot to mention before he comes out of this like jail, which is really just underneath a deck in a, only a loincloth um, yeah. or what if there was things that happened in between, I guess it's not important, but just like the passage of time was very confusing to me. Yes. Cause I thought that this whole nuclear apocalypse happened like a long time ago, like mm-hmm. like a hundred years ago or something. And then you find out that it happened basically when Nick's Kate, Nick Cage's partner was going to prison, which was like 15 years ago or something. Yeah. But <laughs> also like Samurai town looked exactly the same. Yeah. So I yeah. guess that was not part of the apocalypse. Right. Or... There was a second apocalypse during the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I think we're we're getting to the uh, the meat of the problem with this movie. I did not like the movie in general at all. Mm-hmm. It they had some cool visuals, but it was very confusing and tonally all over the place, and surprisingly 
boring for all the visual stuff going on. Agreed. I agree 100%. I also did not enjoy this movie, but I thought it looked cool. Yeah. If I, if we had like ratings of everything, I would say aesthetics, I would give it like an eight or nine of 10. Cause I really did enjoy the, mm-hmm. the kind of world they created and the, the look that they were going for, mm-hmm. but everything else was real bad. Like in the <laughs> two to three range. Yeah. Yeah. The script all over the place. Didn't make much sense. Not much to latch onto the, the characters were, uninteresting even nick cage doing his best snake plissken was not yeah we've seen that character a million times you yeah know? <laughs> i did enjoy are we doing spoilers i think yeah we can do spoilers for this movie this is i did enjoy when they set up the chekhov's gun with the the bombs and he did blow off a testicle <laughs> yeah that was amazing <laughs> right right uh, yeah every time he got aroused or something the it would start beeping. <laughs> yeah. It had its moments is what I would say. Like there were some moments where I legitimately laughed out loud and enjoyed what I was watching. But for the right. most part, it was too just over the top and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Everyone acted like they were in an anime, like that over yeah. the top yes. acting style that Nicolas Cage has unfortunately or fortunately, maybe because I really enjoy mm-hmm. it, become mm-hmm. known for in his latter career choices. Mm-hmm. Um, like everyone was acting like that, just chewing the scenery and really over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of the problem was Sion Sono is a Japanese director who's been working in Japan for decades. And this was his first English language movie. So I think there's probably a language barrier. There was probably like him having to work in this American studio system, you know, that just, caused a disconnect between his usual style and and this <laughs> yeah i've never at least i don't know that i've ever seen anything else from him so mm-hmm. i'd be curious because i did like the visual style mm-hmm. all right so i think we can say that our first movie was a, a failure i gave it two out of five stars i think that's a very fair rating yeah, yeah. I, w- I would probably say the same two of five okay well, hopefully you were inspired to watch something uh, a little better. I'm going to talk about mine first, I think. Go that's ahead. That's cool with you. So do you have any thoughts as to what I would be inspired to watch? Like, Oof. <laughs> um, I don't. Can you give me a hint? Well, just like a category of like what, what type of movie or what, what connected to Prisoners of Ghostland for me. I, I think there are a lot of strong post-apocalypse uh, mm. options or there's always more Nick Cage. <laughs> uh, I went a different route. I went another Sion Sono movie, the Japanese director. Okay. Yeah. That was my, my other option that I didn't actually talk about. So I watched, why don't you play in hell from 2013, <laughs> which is one of supposedly one of his better movies. And my God, they are right. It is great. He all the stuff that worked in Prisoners of Ghostland was in this movie, but it also had this like nonstop kinetic energy and like a really interesting script and character dynamics and all sorts of stuff. It's about this uh, group of young filmmakers, these like teenagers who dream of making a, a real movie someday. They call themselves the F bombers. I will not say the full word. And they're just obsessed with <laughs> filming everything that they see and making little crappy movies and blah, blah, blah. 
And also there's this other story of two mob families, Yakuza families who are in the middle of a war. And somehow, I won't go into details because it's very convoluted, but makes a lot of sense as you're watching. The filmmakers and the Yakuza families get wrapped up and the filmmakers have to make a movie involving the Yakuza person's daughter and a giant Yakuza battle. And they have to do that in order to, I'm, it's crazy. It's fun. It is surprisingly moving with the character dynamics. Like all the stuff that didn't work in Prisoners of Ghostland was gone. These characters had real, you, I, I knew what they wanted and you could feel like that there were connections there between the characters that actually moved the screenplay forward, which was really cool. There's all this visual inventiveness everywhere. And the final battle is over the top, limbs flying everywhere in the best way. And, but it, it came at such a point in the movie where you were really invested with what was happening, which makes it mm -hmm. even better. I really liked it. And um, I can see why Sion Sono has been one of those like Japanese directors that people say, like his movies are like off the wall crazy, but also really good. And I'm glad to watch one that uh, actually was. Yeah. So I would recommend this. If you would sit through some subtitles, why don't you play? Uh, I got to read <laughs> while watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of work. Uh, I mean, you'd appreciate it just for the whole movie. Uh, you would. Appreciate it does. It. You know, yeah. you did a really good job of making a foreign film sound appealing to me. <laughs> it's um, like two hours and 10 minutes, but feels like 90 minutes. It's really good. If there's limbs flapping about, I think I'm in. <laughs> I was inspired to watch another Nicolas Cage movie. That, that um, was my thought. Yeah. I've got a few on my list that I wanted to watch. And it was between Mandy and Color Out of Space. Oh, okay. And because of the bright colors in Prisoners of the Ghostland, I chose to watch The Color Out of Space. And I okay. actually really enjoyed it. I, I will say, give a caveat that I think the source material, well, it's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. And I have actually, it's one of my glaring blind spots that I have to catch up on. I struggle with H.P. Lovecraft because he was a very terrible human being. Um, yes, he was. But he's also dead, so it's not like he's getting anything out of me reading these books. I just really kind of struggle with supporting that kind of human being. But mm -hmm. he's also a seminal figure in horror. Uh, he's mm -hmm. one of the early, earlier pioneers of horror literature. I don't actually know a lot about his world, except that there were lots of tentacles, apparently. <laughs> Elder and gods. an overarching eldritch god whose name I have no idea how to pronounce. Mm -hmm. um, so it's based on one of his works. And the story essentially is a meteor hits this uh, farm that's owned by a family. Um, the mother has recently had cancer. They're struggling financially. Um, they live in this very secluded part and everything unravels. And I will say that when the meteor strikes, I watched that sequence about three or four times because what they were able to accomplish with just some lighting effects and maybe a camera shake effect in After Effects or Da Vinci was, I thought, incredible. Just this really, really cool sequence. Have you seen this movie? I have not seen it. I really wanted to. 
So. Yeah. So basically, that's that's most of the story. A meteorite hits this family farm and everything starts to devolve and unravel. Um, and I really wish my caveat was that it was a strong movie. I wish someone had given them like, you know, another 10 mil for visual effects, because when they didn't try to CGI things, things get crazy. Everything spirals like completely out of control in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I think, and I don't know if it's because of this is what happened in the source material, but eventually it becomes, it had very much a vibe of like a fifties creature feature, mm-hmm. you know, creature uh, from outer space comes. There's no creature, but everything just gets crazy. And it does become like this visual effects thing. It reminded me of that movie with the shunting um, at times <laughs> where there's like this gross kind of body horror. And I just yeah, don't uh, know. Society. that. They, yeah, the society. <laughs> and I just don't know that they had the budget or uh, the great practical effects to pull off okay. what they wanted to. And there is some CGI stuff that's not strong. So I really wish that they had more money or that it was made by someone like A24 makes these really beautiful horror movies. I think if they had this script. Yeah, they put the money behind been, them. And the, yeah. It would have been a phenomenal movie. Um, and it was still good. I really enjoyed it. But I think okay. something that's like a six or a seven out of ten might have been like a nine. Oh wow! So uh, Richard Stanley, that director, he had a, he hasn't made a movie in like a long time because his last movie was um, what was it? The uh, Island of Doctor Moreau, that whole debacle with Val Kilmer and wow. Marlon Brando, and he like was he refuses to work basically. with Val Kilmer ever again? Yeah. 1996. Um, anyway, he was taken off of that movie. There's an interesting documentary about that movie, about the making of that, which I highly recommend. It's a feature-length documentary about all the craziness. Uh, it's called Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. I've never actually seen the movie. Oh, yeah. I saw it when I was in high school, so I haven't seen it since, and it was pretty bad when I was in high school. <laughs> I remember... I you know, I don't remember what VHSs I must have been renting at the time, but I there was a period of time where I just remember I have this very crystal clear memory of like popping in another VHS and seeing the trailer and just thinking, oh, my God, how many trailers am I going to have to see for this stupid movie that looks really bad? <laughs> That's my memory of The Island of Dr. Moreau is that it seemed like it was the trailer on every VHS for like oh, what it. seemed like years when I was a teenager. Right, right. Oh man. Well, that one was a train wreck and it's fun to watch the documentary about it, but it's nice, but you can tell Richard Stanley had like really cool ideas and a really cool, cool uh, eye for like weird, disturbing things, especially the stuff he wanted to put in Island of Dr. Moreau. So it's glad to see that it sounds like his new one has some of that. Yeah. It's, it was really strong in the parts where they didn't try to actually show you anything, probably because of budgetary constraints. Right. Right. That it was disappointing when they did actually show you things and it maybe didn't look very good. I'm not I saying was... it's like B movie, uh, Ed Wood level of bad right. effects, <laughs> but it was just like less than convincing. And, okay. Takes you, you know, the there are like some CGI lightning and uh, laser ish effects that are just like not great. Right. Right. How, how is Nicholas Cage? 
Nicolas Cage was good. Okay. He was for the most part, he was fine. And the times that he wasn't the times that he got a little cagey, I think, <laughs> was because this meteor was supposed to be having like a mental effect because he slipped from like normal, just like dad under stress and, and you know, with strain to like weird cageisms. But it would like come and go when it seemed to me like the meteor was supposed to be affecting him. So it like. Mm-hmm actually made sense in context right right okay cool so you recommend it i will check i recommend it yeah all right i think we i think we both had some good hits then with our inspiration movies this week you can't go wrong with more cage i mean i guess you could but (laughs) so um next episode we will be talking about dome fest which is something that i do once in a while at my house which is a dome where i invite a bunch of people over and we have a themed movie marathon that i program and this marathon is the five deadly action films and it's going to be super cool and eric is not going to be there because he's lame but that's true (laughs) i will share the list with you and then next episode we will maybe talk about that also we should pick a movie that is going to inspire us for the following episode after that something we'll both watch and get inspired by again let's do it all right so we have a list here of 20 movies uh that we both have agreed to watch i'm gonna roll a die because we're nerds we're gonna roll a die to determine our fate Mm -hmm. Of course, we love it. This is what we do. Remember when we used to, when we lived near each other, we would get together and pick like six movies and then roll a D6 to see which one we watch. That yeah. was fun. All right, well, now we're doing this again, but we've upgraded to a D20. Here we go. That is a five, which is China Salesman. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a Steven Seagal movie. With oh, Mike I'm in. <laughs> China Salesman. I'm excited. This is one that I, I, I don't think it's going to be good, but I really wanted to watch it with you specifically because it's Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson. And I'm, I can't wait. So, Do, do you know choice. offhand what the year of that movie would be? 2017. Yes. <laughs> yep. We got late uh late 2010 steven seagal when he's in the prime of his life (laughs) oh Oh, steven seagal what happened to you (laughs) all right so uh we will see you all in two weeks with another episode and then two weeks after that we will be discussing china salesman and whatever weird movies we decide to watch so thank you eric for agreeing to be co-host this was a lot of fun yes thank for thank you for thinking of me As always, please check out my writing and other projects at proleary.com and follow along with my movie watching on Letterboxd. My name on there is Long Monkey. Eric, anything you want to plug? I have nothing to plug, at least not on air. Well, folks, we'll end it on that note. As always, have a good night and sweet dreams.